Physicians and scientists played an integral role in implementing the racial eugenics program in Nazi Germany, which culminated in the murder of six million European Jews. How can a better understanding of physician involvement in what ultimately led to the Holocaust help us frame issues being debated in medicine today? You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg. Our guests today are Susan Backrack, curator of special exhibitions at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., and Richard Hershout, executive director of the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center in Skokie, Illinois. Welcome to you both. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. This is a pretty grim topic for physicians to listen to, but I think it's an important one. So tell us about the ideas behind this traveling exhibit, Deadly Medicine, Creating the Master Race. Well, the original idea behind the exhibition was to help people understand how the Holocaust was possible, how it was possible in a quite educated society as Germany was, and how highly educated professionals, doctors, and scientists helped contribute to the implementation and legitimization of Nazi policies, and even some of them were involved in the implementation of the Holocaust itself. So how did this happen? How do you get an educated class of people like physicians, if you can exclude those that are probably racist and anti-Semitic in that population, how do you get everyone to go along and do this? Well, the exhibit that's at Skokie shows very well that this is not something that happens all at once, that there are steps and thresholds that are crossed, that uh, physicians and scientists are part of the society and culture, that they're not above it. And particularly this exhibit focuses on the support of German scientists and physicians for ideas known as eugenics, even before the Nazis took power in 1933. This was also true in the United States and many countries of Western Europe. How or where did the concept of eugenics start? And Was it basically a pure idea or was it an idea initially to destroy certain populations of people? Well, eugenics began, uh, it was a coined term by Francis Galton in England, who had very idealistic ideas that somehow you could breed human beings just like you could breed good horses. It was very linked to the early developments in the field of human genetics, the rediscovery of Mendel's laws around 1900, the Darwinian revolution, and all these things were going on at once. And it really began with a very utopian idea of couldn't we make a better human race? That was really the original idea. And by the time it got applied by the Nazis, it took a somewhat different path. But even there, there were some very so-called positive aspects of the programs or they were regarded as positive before the wartime. Forgive me for being naive, but with eugenics, are we just talking about physical characteristics or are we talking about personality and spiritual and emotional characteristics of these human beings also? It varied what various people believed. One time in the early 20th century, supporters of eugenics believed that all kinds of ideas and behaviors, seasickness and all kinds of things were connected to heredity. Not that much was known about human heredity. Specifically, there was a big focus on groups that were believed to be having a very negative effect on the population gene pool, and those were criminals. Criminality was believed to be an inherited trait. 
trait, people who were called feeble-minded with some form of mental retardation, people who were mentally ill or at least people who are being held in state mental institutions by limiting the reproduction of these groups and fostering higher birth rates for healthy, so-called healthy groups, it was believed that this would have a positive effect on the overall population over time and also that taxpayers would save money because they wouldn't have to keep all these groups in institutions and there was a lot of concern for the cost of care. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the process in Germany start in the mental institutions? Doctors actually practiced there initially before they went on to the Jewish population. A lot of discussion did begin with those institutions because during World War I in Germany, when there was a blockade imposed on Germany and rationing, thousands of people died in those psychiatric institutions because they were not given sufficient rations. So there's a lot of discussion after the war about not simply sterilizing people, but what was called euthanasia. It really meant eliminating them, and that was the first time when the term life unworthy of life was used. But in the 20s, sterilization to prevent people from having children was regarded as a more humane alternative to simply eliminating people. And sterilization was instituted on a mass scale, as the exhibition shows, in Nazi Germany after 1933, with the help of physicians and with the help of research scientists who had promoted this idea, again, long before the Nazis took power. Was Germany the only country that was pursuing these actions, or were other countries around the world looking at this too and doing this? A lot of countries were looking at it. It was a question of politically whether it was feasible to get these measures passed. So England was actually, there was an effort there to get a national sterilization law. It was not politically feasible, and that was just for so-called voluntary sterilization law. In the United States, there is a history of certain states who adopted sterilization laws because in the U.S., this was a matter of state legislation. And so there were thousands of sterilizations, eugenic sterilizations conducted in the United States, most importantly, and a lot of them in California, which had a big concern with immigrants from both the south of the borders and also from Asia. And it was also linked into an anti-immigration thrust at the time. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness on Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg. Our guests today are Susan Backrack, curator of special exhibitions at the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., and Richard Hershaw, executive director of the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center in Skokie, Illinois. We're discussing the role of physicians in Nazi racial eugenics. So give us an idea of how the Nazi leaders were able to take this and use science to legitimize murder and ultimately genocide and, and the contextual framework of physician involvement in this. The involvement occurred at many levels. For example, in the 1930s from 34 to 45, physicians and social workers and teachers were involved in identifying people to be sterilized. They were involved in public health offices 
and they were certainly involved during the operations. And the training of physicians had to be ramped up to do these operations because there were 400,000 in, in a very short period of time. In terms of legitimizing Nazi policies, what happens is that ideas about public health become conflated with Nazi ideas about race and the strengthening of the race. So Jews were not targeted by the sterilization measure as Jews, but there were the, as you know, the Nuremberg laws were enacted, and that was actually a eugenic measure because it prohibited sexual relations and marriage between Jews and non-Jews. And the idea was to that over a number of generations, if that continued, you'd somehow separate the gene pools. The step to genocide, that really could happen only, you know, once you had the environment of the war, sacrifice in the name of the fatherland. And so the first step there is a program directed at Germans who are institutionalized, beginning with babies and children born with severe birth defects, and then adults in institutions who are taken to gas chambers to be killed. The first gas chambers that were used for mass murder were used to kill institutionalized Germans. And then from that practice and that model, that became the model for the so-called final solution to the Jewish question. And even some of the medical personnel who had been involved in that so-called euthanasia program were transferred to the death camps in the East. So again, this is not something that happens all at once. There are many steps along the way and many thresholds that are crossed and many choices that individual doctors who participated in various programs connected to the sterilization program, to the so-called euthanasia program, and to the final solution, choices that were made along the way. Richard, let's hear from you for a second. Tell us about the ideas behind the traveling exhibit, Deadly Medicine, Creating the Master Race. Well, I can tell you that the exhibit has been an absolute revelation to those who have seen it. At the suggestion of our colleagues at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, we have included a guest book for our visitors to leave their comments and reflections on the experience to a person. This has been a remarkable eye-opener. It has helped to personalize the incremental evil that was the Holocaust over the 12-year period of 1933 to 1945, and has illustrated to our visitors the killers, in this case, were not monsters, were not people who had not taken some oath to preserve and protect and extend life, but were healers who had been co-opted and who were perverting the very oath that they had taken. And uh, that's a message that resonates very powerfully with all who see this exhibit. What do either of you think about how this exhibit relates to some of today's issues? What should we be thinking about as we enter this brave new world of genetics? I think there are a number of things. It's sometimes daunting to be informed, for an average citizen to be informed about developments in science and so forth. But the exhibit does really, in this history, underscores the importance of not leaving questions about how science 
is used in the hands of the scientific experts, that this should be subject to the discussion and the scrutiny of, of an, an informed citizenry in a democracy. A lot has been done in history, not only in the Nazi period and other places and times, all in the name of advancing science and, and medicine. So I think that's one of the big messages for me from this. I also believe this exhibit presents an opportunity to offer some very unusual public programming and to be creative and think outside of the proverbial box. How do we define science and pseudoscience in the context of the roots of the Holocaust? I mean, was the eugenic, and in quotes, I'm going to use science practiced in Germany during the Nazi regime, pseudoscience or real science? And how do we tell the difference? It's not a clear black and white answer for Nazi Germany. Eugenics today is usually referred to as a pseudoscience because the scientific basis for it has certainly been undercut by scientific developments since it was a very popular idea in the early 20th century. At the time, however, there was a remarkable support from very prominent scientists and physicians and serious discussion in the U.S., for example, at universities like Harvard and Johns Hopkins. And so certainly once the Nazis get into the picture and you're getting away from the purely technical side of it, certainly pseudoscience becomes mixed in. But I think it would be really an error simply to dismiss all of science, and there have been a number of books on this lately, and the developments in science during the Nazi era as, as pseudoscience. There's a book on cancer research in Nazi Germany, for example, that shows how Nazi Germany scientists in that era were actually taking the lead in some of the areas to do with the prevention of cancer and so forth. So I think you have to take care because by labeling something as a pseudoscience, it can be an accurate label, but it can also be a way that people use simply to distance themselves from this discussion and say, these are just a bunch of pseudoscientists or people who supported pseudoscience, and I'm not there. I'm a serious scientist. And what the exhibition shows is, and showing some of the biographies of people involved, is these were not people who had ever described their work as pseudoscience. We've been talking with Susan Backrack and Richard Hirschout about the role of physicians in Nazi racial eugenics. Susan and Richard, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And as always, thank you for listening.